0: All you gardening cats and gators, welcome to Gardening with Cisco, November 10th. And uh, boy, it has been a little colder out, but uh, some beautiful sunshine out there right now. This would be the perfect day to get out there and rake those leaves out of the, uh, the gutter along the, the road. Make sure your uh, sure yard or garden look a lot prettier. <laughs> and it keeps those darn storm drains clear because I remember at Seattle U when those got clogged up, oh, boy, that was a horrible job having to go in there and try and get those leaves off those things so they'd drain. We'd get some pretty good-sized puddles now and then. So, uh, hey, okay, uh, I'm flying solo today. I hope you'll give me a call, one 888 1-888-973- uh cairo so um but i do uh have one announcement, and that's that i want to say hi to everyone i saw at the uh n s n l a or the w s n l a um wonderful event they had it was called the day of professionalism so if you don't know who the w s n l a is they uh they're an or they're a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting and educating the horticultural community of Washington State. So, if you are looking to hire a gardener to work in your garden, you can get a WSNLA uh, certified horticulturist, which I am one, to come work in your garden. You know, I'm a- I also for many many years was a certified arborist, and uh, so. And they also certify nursery people. So to get that certification, you have to take all these tests. <laughs> and uh, you have to continue your training, which is what this day of professionalism was, you know. So people come in and they uh, get continuing credits as they go along. So it's a really good program. And I guarantee people that go through all the effort to become certified really know their stuff. So you know you're hiring someone that knows what they're doing and aren't going to do horrible things to the plants in your garden, which I have seen more times than I want to admit. But they uh these people these people at WSNLA surprised the livid tweet a lot of me by sending me an email saying we want to give you an an award <laughs> which I always like. So uh, I went to the event, and um, it was really nice. They gave uh, Cass Turnbull and Sarah Ricard, two people that have passed away, some really great recognition for all the wonderful things they did. Probably the best award of the day was John Watts, my really good friend who used to run the Arboretum and uh, was a professor at UW. And they gave him the Horticulture Leader Horticultural Leadership award, which I thought was so cool and well deserved and uh and then I got believe it or not, the educator of the year award oh la 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 <laughs> so that was really cool and um interestingly. Uh, the only the only thing was that we got lunch and everything there, and I noticed that John Watts' award was a lot bigger than mine. He had this really cool silver shovel on his and everything, and his plaque was a lot thicker. So whenever he wasn't looking, I tried to exchange them, but I never got away with it. But uh, next time I want a silver, uh, not a silver spoon, a silver shovel. <laughs> On my plaque. So I'm going to keep watching for that. Okay. So uh, I, I'm i noticing we're getting a lot of calls in. So uh, in a minute, as soon as Brian's free from the phone, I'll go to those phones. So, uh, hey, uh, one last reminder that Thanksgiving is Thursday, November 22nd. So uh, don't forget to go out and shop for Brussels sprouts. You want to make sure that you got a lot of good of them a lot of really good ones to serve. Hey, I do have uh, one thing I want to let you know right away, and that's the King conservation district. Uh, They are now taking orders for their 2019 native bare root plant sale. So uh, if you place orders now, you save 10% on any order over a hundred bucks. And, um, the sale features 70 species of native plants, and there's a focus on affordable bare root and plug material. So so if you buy something from a plug, it's going to be dinky as can be. But the thing is that uh, they grow fine, and in no time they'll be as big as anything. So it's a really great way to buy things. Last year, uh, they had over 800 orders, and they distributed over 60,000 native plants. So uh, if you want really good selection, sometimes it's sold out uh, by the day of the big sale. So I'm trying to even remember when that is. I think that The sale is March 16th, so it's a long way out. But uh, you want to order early if you want great plants. So um, anyway, just go to uh, cisco.com, then uh, go to my events page, and you'll see about that and other things that are going on in the area. Uh, Okay, so... uh, I think, should we take a break and then go to the phone calls? Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. And uh, when we come back on 97.3 Cairo FM, Misha from Everett, you'll be the first one on the air. Should, should
1: do, you understand.
0: You betcha. Hey, Misha, what's going on in Everett? Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Cisco. It's good to hear. It.
2: Uh, it's good to talk to you. Um, so I am raising a lemon tree that I grew from seed, just from an organic lemon that I bought at my local co-op. Oh. And it's about three feet tall now, but it hasn't branched out at all. I just have one single stalk. Oh, I'm wondering how to prune it to be able to produce more fruit and get it to produce more branches.
0: Well, now, I'm a little nervous to answer this because if I give you the wrong advice, it could be curtains for the lemon tree. <laughs> but <laughs> here's what I I think I would do. I'd wait till spring for sure because if you cut it okay. now, it's it's just not going to do anything. It's just going to sit there unless you grew it under a grow light or something. So I'd wait till spring and then in March, you know, I kinda of take a good hard look at it and see where I want it to branch out. And usually okay. we want that to happen lower, you know. So you could take a you could take a huge risk and cut it down two thirds of the way to a node down there and then just okay. you know, keep your fingers crossed, <laughs> keep it in a good sunny spot and uh, talk to it really nice and uh, hopefully it'll branch out right there and start to grow wherever you cut that's where the lowest branches are going to be and i doubt it'll ever grow branches below there it's possible but it's unlikely so uh but at some point in i'd say mid march i'd want to make that cut and uh kind of keep my fingers crossed but if all goes well it might branch out nice and low and and then I wouldn't wait too long. I would pinch the new growth to get it to branch out if you want it to branch out real nice. Okay. Great. Well, how fun. It's fun to grow plants from seed, isn't it? I I grew I've grown a grapefruit, a few lemons. I think I got an orange to grow once. I never got fruit from any of them, but I did get <laughs> fragrant flowers sometimes. That was pretty cool. <laughs>
2: Nice. Yeah, my my kids and I we've been growing a lot of things from seeds. We've had a few successful avocado trees. One of our avocados is about four feet tall now, and um, and then we've got a whole bunch of lemon starts. So the one the one that I'm talking about is uh, the tallest one, but I've got probably about a dozen um, little lemon trees that are about six to twelve inches tall.
0: Oh, good. Hey, next spring, yeah, uh, cut a few of those back so they branch out real nice and. The good okay. news is you've got all those other ones. So if this guy bites it, ah, that's life, you know?
2: <laughs> that's right. Safety in numbers.
0: <laughs> that's right. It's always good to have a little backup plan, you know? <laughs> yep. Well, hey, good luck. Awesome. Hey, if you see me to talk or whatever, let me know what happens when you cut it back, all right? Absolutely. I
2: will next time I see you. I see you pretty regularly when you come up to sorta culture. Um I live close by there in Everett, so I see you pretty regularly, and I'll be sure to
0: stop in and say hi. Thank you, Cisco. Oh, cool as could be. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, we're going to go to Renton now and talk to Janet. Hi, Janet. What's going on?
1: Hey, Cisco. This is kind of a little unusual. Uh (laughs) Last year, I rescued a little poinsettia plant after Christmas. I uh, hate to see them thrown out. And uh, I didn't transplant it. I fed it a little bit, cut it, cut it down a little bit, and I put it outside during the summer.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Now, I took it inside a couple of weeks ago. It's got red leaves on it.
0: Oh, cool as can be.
1: Yeah, you now, know. Not- it, uh, since I took it inside, it looks like he, it's getting
0: a little depressed. Oh. <laughs> That's not good, I don't think. Well, uh, you know, poinsettias are really interesting plants because according to theory anyway, in order to get the red leaves, uh, they have to go through uh, a period where they have 14 hours of darkness every night for about two to two and a half months. Nope, you have to see this one. Yeah, well, you know, what I've seen is that sometimes maybe the room you had them in, whatever, they got the conditions they needed to decide to uh, get the red leaves, you know. And, of course, the red leaves are special leaves that turn color to attract pollinators. The actual flowers are in the middle there. Mm-hmm. and uh, But, but
1: the, the, it was outside, until a couple of weeks
0: ago. Okay, it's good you brought it in when you did. And I'm yeah. sure as the days got shorter, the plant got the message it was time to bloom. The problem with getting poinsettias to rebloom in our homes is that to get the red leaves, they have to grow real actively. I mean, you get red leaves, but they don't get big if it's not growing. And what happens quite often, we bring them into our not-so-bright houses, not the perfect conditions for them, unlike at the nurseries where they're growing them in the perfect light and conditions. And so even if they do get red leaves, they don't get big and you don't get a cool effect. So, But some-
1: the, the leaves, you know, some of the leaves
0: are turning yellow and it, It just looks depressed. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Well, it could be. Now, it never got transplanted, but this wouldn't be the best time to do it right now. I think what I would do, I'd give it uh, as bright light as I can, you know, because I don't think you're going to burn it this time of year. If we get a really sunny day, maybe back it up a little from the window, Mm -hmm. and uh, I would I would just and I'd watch my watering really careful. They need adequate water, you know, they hate to dry out. If they do, they'll drop all their leaves. Mm. If they get too much water or if they don't have really great drainage in the pot, anything like that, then they'll drop all their leaves too. So mm. <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: He wants to be outside. I know he does, but yeah, he'll uh, be, I don't
0: have a choice. He'll be deader than a doornail if he's outside. You know, it's a really famous story. Uh, a, a guy I worked with bought a really big, beautiful poinsettia for the office manager where we work because he really liked her a lot, and he left it in, out in his car right around Thanksgiving. Oh, and, and then brought it in, and it looked spectacular when it when he gave it to her. But by the end of the day, there was like four leaves left. On the oh, oh yeah, it was a heartbreaker. Oh. It actually was pretty funny, but it was still a heartbreaker. And uh, so you know, they're really picky about what they like. They don't like being uh, in a breeze. They don't like heat blowing on them. Uh, they need. A certain amount of light they hate uh low humidity so i think the key is just keep it in as bright light as you can lift it up when it feels light give it a drink of water and uh you know if if it keeps going downhill then if you got a grow light anywhere put it no. under that that's going to be your only chance to save it
1: oh no. Well, he's, he's getting sun right
0: now, but that's not, not going to last. <laughs> no, but that's bright enough usually this time of year. So if you can get it more actively growing, that's going to help a lot. And then uh, next spring, if you can get it through the winter, next spring when you put it outside, transplant that guy into nice fresh soil. Cut it way down to like six oh. inches tall. And then nice. it'll grow back outside, not in too full sun, kind of, you know, uh, not uh, either morning First. sun or little dappled sun. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it makes it till winter, I bet you it'll bloom again, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the main thing is if you brought it in before it got too cold, that's going to be the key to whether it survives till spring or not.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just keep them a, a little bit moist. No transplanting. Yeah, just leave them alone. Yeah, leave them alone. Talk,
0: talk really nice to them. Don't bore them. <laughs> Whatever you do, it it's got to be fun stories. You know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs>
1: I do talk to them. <laughs> oh,
0: great! Listen, I hope, like Mad, that it was really nice of you to try and save this poinsettia. So I hope it yeah. survives. So. Keep me posted, will you? Okay. Okay. Hey, Thank good you luck, sister. Janet. Okay, <laughs> see you later. Okay, everybody. Uh, now, uh, I'm flying solo, so lots of time for calls. Nobody's in line right now. One triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. Right back on the best gardening station in all of the world. Uh, 97.3 Cairo FM. So, I think it's Yvonne from Kirkland. Hey, you're on Gardening with Cisco. How are you doing? Cisco, how are you? Hey, just great. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Well, I have a question um we had a filbert tree in our backyard that um got the eastern blight the eastern filbert blight oh yeah and then i had a harry lauder's walking stick in the front yard and unfortunately it ended up with the blight as well so my question is how do i amend the soil so that if i plant another harry lauder's walking stick that it won't uh, end up with the blight again.
0: Well, there's good news and bad news here. The good news Uh is that this is an airborne fungus, so you don't have to do anything to the soil at all. I think the one thing you would want to do is make sure you clean up all of the plant parts left, you know, so there's no leaves or anything, if you can help it, left over from the plants that got the blight because um, that filbert blight is a tough one to beat. But I have really great news for you. So there are some new filberts that when they put out new growth, I think the one I have is called Red Majestic. When they put out new growth Hmm. in the spring, it's bright red. They are spectacular. That filbert, Mm. for some reason is much, much more resistant to the filbert blight than our the standard Harry Lauder's walking stick. So it's a Harry Lauder's okay. walking stick, just has a lot of red leaves. In spring, the whole tree is bright red. And then as summer goes along, the, trees, the leaves that grew early turn green, but it's always putting out new growth, so you always have pretty red leaves on it. It's fantastic. I believe there's two red-leaved ones, so you might, you know, check that out. And when you go to nursery, talk to the nursery people and say, is this the one that's resistant to the filbert blight, you know? But okay. I, I think okay. you're going to have a wonderful tree again. I, I've had mine for years, and <clears throat> I've seen a lot of the hairy lauders in my neighborhood die from the blight. So seems yeah. like it's quite it's, resistant. it's very sad. Oh, it's so sad. Breaks your heart, you know. And uh, ah, yeah, boy. well the
3: the tree was planted in honor of my son's adoption.
0: Oh, well then so. you've got it. You've got to get another one. You have no two ways to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So look around, and um, you know, i I don't think you know you're not going to have to do anything to the soil at all. And just take the best care of it you can. I mean, I hardly ever even water mine. I will give you one tip, though. Try not to get mm-hmm. the leaves wet when you water it. Be- beca- okay. Because, you know, if you do, then the chance of some kind of disease hitting it are much stronger. I mean, you can't do anything about that in spring, of course. But uh, right. I honestly think uh, this, these new red-leaved ones seem to do much better. So... um I think you're off and running, and your adopted son is going to be happy as can be over this.
3: Yes, he is. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Cisco.
0: Okay, good luck. Bye-bye.
3: All right. Have a have a great day.
0: Thanks. All right, we're going to go to Sammamish here and talk to George.
4: Hey, oh, George. Cisco. Hey, well, I have a question, but first thing I wanted to tell you, you gave us Uh, pruning advice on uh, ferns or was in the paper or something and you said cut them down to the ground and we did it and we've never had them look so good uh i thought for sure we killed them by doing that and they just (laughs) came back gangbusters
0: well i am so happy you know whenever someone says you gave me advice i always go which way is this gonna go you know yeah (laughs) so <laughs> no, it, it was good advice. I
4: tell oh, everybody good. that I see, hey, cut them down to the nub, and they'll come back twice as strong. And, but my question is, uh, we bought two trumpet vines, uh, you know, this red flamingo one to replace where we used to have roses, and the roses were just so disease-prone with yeah. spots and everything, and so we decided to get rid of them and go to these trumpet vines. They're doing great. They're about four and a half feet, 5 feet tall. But they didn't flower this year, but they're still all full of leaves. The question is, do we prune them now or wait till? I mean, some people say wait till next spring before you really prune them back.
0: I Uh, would definitely wait till spring. Okay. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you can leave some of the branches up taller, I think your chances of getting more blooms are a little better. Yeah, then prune the sideways ones or whatever. Yeah, Exactly. That's what I would do, and yep. and you know about uh, these things are called campsis and uh, trumpet vines. They have one one kind of bad trait, shall we say? They do sucker like crazy. Oh yeah. Oh boy. So <laughs> keep. I've got one in my garden, and uh, it it came it went under the sidewalk and came up in my wife Mary's garden. Yeah. Oh <laughs> la la. <laughs> Fifty feet tall! Wow! Yeah, yeah! Oh boy, they
4: grow like yeah. mad! Got you got know, them on a nice trellis, and they really took off nice, and they really look good, and they're still green now, the leaves. And so, uh, uh, should we put any bone meal or anything in the soil? Or
0: I would definitely fertilize them, but not till next spring. Just not get a spring, so just leave them alone. Yeah, get a good organic flower food, work that into the soil around them. And, okay. oh, my gosh, I'll bet you you're going to get a million blooms, and the hummingbirds will go nuts. Yeah, that's why we got them. Yeah, they're so, they're wonderful. So you got yep. yourself something good there. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks again for the tip on the ferns. Man,
4: oh, man, <laughs> they're still going great. I can't believe it. That was the best tip you ever ever had.
0: Oh, I'm delighted to hear that. Thank you, George. Okay, see ya. Okay, see ya. Hey, we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, Carl from Seaback, I'm going to put you on. And I just wanted to add one thing. Uh, The other day, I was coming uh, back from a party, and it was like midnight or something. I walk into a a Safeway store to buy something, and this old guy looks at me and goes, You murdered my plant. (laughs) So so it goes both ways. (laughs) I both fell down laughing. The guy was great. Hey, okay, we'll be right back. 97.3, Cairo FM. All right, now we're going to head over to Seabec and talk to Carl. Hey, Carl, what you got going? side.
4: Hi, uh, I have a question about uh, my garden uh-huh. and uh, containers. Okay, I just moved into a new uh, new house, and the woman previous was a gardener extraordinaire. She has everything from Japanese pears to uh, grapes, and it covered every inch of the place. Wow! The only place I could uh, put something is in on my deck, and I want it's it's facing west. On the uh, on the sound, and we're going to get all kinds of winds and, and weather. But I want to put containers on my deck, and I want to know what would work well there.
0: Okay, so. Um... Trying to think, do you want something evergreen or are you looking for doing kind of cool designs or what are you looking at on, in those? Are you looking for food crops? What do you want to grow on those?
4: Uh, like uh, I was thinking about a Japanese maple and uh, just some larger, uh, you know, plants
0: like uh, miniature trees. Well, Here's my four corners. Here's the thing. A lot of plants can't take salt spray. So, oh. so either you have to figure out a, a way to, you know, nestle those containers in where they won't get salt spray spray, or you could do the other option, which is uh plant plants that like salt spray. So uh, you know, when it comes okay. to treats. I'm I'm not coming up with a real good tree. <laughs> there's something called the Russian olive that's really pretty, and uh, that that would do great in there. You know what else? There's there are a lot of plants that like salt spray, or at least could take it. One is formium. Uh, it's kind. It looks like a giant colored grass, and there's some really pretty ones. They're real spiky. Okay. You could do that, and they would love it in those containers. And they're evergreen year-round. And then you know what you could do? They would look great all winter, and you could plant pansies around them or, you know, find some plants that, that do well in the wintertime. In summer, you could put all kinds of beautiful little combinations around those. There's a plant you know, anytime you hear a plant with "c" in the name, so "c" holly, it's called a ringium, and uh, it has just the most spectacularly beautiful flowers. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. You could plant those around that in the summertime. So you know, you could you could work off that. But I'm going to give you a really good suggestion. So okay. Uh, some of the older Sunset garden books had really great sections about plants for different conditions, and uh, so, you know, and I see them for sale at half-price bookstores quite often, and there was one year that I wrote some articles for Sunset, so if you open it up, you look right in the beginning, and it says Cisco Moore's talking about Being a plant collector in the Pacific Northwest, buy that one. And uh, then. Okay, it's a a book? Yeah, it's a book. It's called The Sunset Western Garden Book. It's really good. And uh, the new one may have that section. So if you only could find the new one, check and see if they have a section on plants for different conditions. And they have a big section on plants. That can take salt spray, and that's okay. what you want. I've seen and, them
4: at the goodwill every once in a while. Those, yeah, that
0: much. yep. I think you'll see it. You know, and a lot of the older ones had bigger sections that I really liked a lot. So, also do a search on the computer. Plants that can take salt spray. You might, you'll probably find some trees that'll do great. You know, any tree that lives near the ocean can take salt spray. So. There may be, you know, there's plants from California, Oregon, B.C. that, you know, they may not be native up here, but might be spectacular trees that you can grow in those pots too. Great. Yes. All right, well, thank you. All right. Well, have fun with that. And it sounds like you got quite a cool garden there, by the way. Yeah, a lot of big trees. It's great. <laughs> great. Well, have right, fun well, with that. Yeah. All oh, right, love you, Cisco. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, Carl. You take care, buddy. Bye, bye. Okay, well, all right. We don't have any phone calls, but luckily, I got an email that I thought was really good. It was from Kay. She says, "Hey, I grow my own fruit, and you know, she has pears and apples and grapes and all these different things." And she said uh, she's inundated. With fruit flies, her kitchen is just full of them. She's been trying to get the fruit out of there, but you know she can't even open a banana. They're right back on them again. What could she do about it? And you know, I've grown my own pears, apples, uh, so much, so many fruit, raspberries, everything over the years, and I've had lots of problems with fruit flies. So uh, there's a plant that I always grow in my house in the fall. It's called drosera or sundew. These are carnivorous plants. And uh, most of them, there's different types of them. Most have kind of uh, long branches. They branch out. And on the branches, instead of leaves, they have these little gooey things. There's a little teensy, uh, like a petty old, a little thing that holds a leaf on And the leaf is covered with what looks like dew. That's why we call them sundew. As a matter of fact, dracera means dewy. And uh, so they're sweet. And so when the fruit flies spot those, they go, oh, la, la, there is a treat right there. I'm going to zip down and enjoy it. They get stuck. And then it's really fun because they get digested right on the branch of the plant. Oh, la, la. (laughs) Uh, so, I I buy a bunch of those, stick them in about a third full, a saucer, a third full of water. That's all you got to do. I don't try and keep them alive all winter. They go dormant after a while. And uh, you could probably keep them alive and plant them out in the spring or something. But uh, I just toss them. They're so covered with dead bugs. by the, You don't even want to see. It's pretty funny the looks on people's face when they come to visit, you know. But... uh so anyway, that's one thing you could do. We also, we take, uh, you could buy things that catch them, but we make our own. We take like a a salsa container, a clear one. We stick a bunch of pretty darn ripe fruit in there, pour some vinegar in with it, and we punch holes on the top so the fruit flies can get in the hole. They're big enough that the fruit flies can get through them. Once they're in there, they can't find their way out, and they end up uh, in the vinegar pretty quick, and that's the end of those guys. That could help. And finally, the funnest part of fruit flies is to get your hand attachment from the vacuum cleaner, sneak up really quiet on the fruit that's on your uh, kitchen cabinet, and then crank up the, the vacuum cleaner and suck them up. <laughs> I have gotten so good at it. So uh, it's a lot of fun, and it really gets rid of a lot of them at once. Because i got to admit, it's so embarrassing to have fruit flies. And then there's also those uh, compost gnats, too. So watch out. You may not just have fruit flies. You might have compost gnats. You're getting rid of all the fruit, and you're still seeing fruit flies. You've got compost gnats. And you gotta put sand over the soil in every pot in your house. Okay, I don't have time to explain more because I gotta get out of here. Everybody, enjoy this wonderful day. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you all next week. Bye.